I'm James Schaefer, one of the elders here. Welcome, welcome once again. And this is good to reflect. People need the Lord. Who cares? No one cares. No one cares like Jesus. No one. The scripture we're going to investigate this morning is from the book of Psalms. And I ask you, please turn with me in your copy of the book of Psalms. Psalms 110, continuing in the series, the summer series of the book of Psalms, Psalm 110. And as I read the scripture, you can find it on the screen or in your copy of the Bible. But we're going to hear from God's viewpoint, who cares? And his answer, Psalm 110. And I'll read. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst or in the middle of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. In holy garments from the womb of the morning dew, your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will Lift up his head. As you listen to the psalm, you wonder, does he really care? What is his promise of care that we find within this precious messianic psalm that Jesus Christ himself explained in Matthew chapter 22? And in it, he proves First off, he proves his credentials, that he is one with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and he, Christ Jesus, is Messiah, God in the flesh. But even more importantly than that, he promises, he promises his messianic cause, that he, being the Savior from the creation of the world, came, and this is his cause, he came to care for all souls. Someone has asked me recently, what is a soul? The soul is the essence of who you are, that which is eternal, that which is undying. Every human being born, even in the womb, has a soul, that which God sees, that which is imperishable. And Jesus Christ, the Messiah we're going to see, cares for all souls. Psalm 110 is the capstone. It's the final messianic psalm that proves the most important quality concerning Jesus. It's the one that he quoted the week before he died, before he was actually murdered by the leader's hatred. I'm going to say this again. Psalm 110 in Matthew 22 proves his credentials that he is the Messiah, God in the flesh. Not only divine Messiah is he who rules in power 
and will overthrow evil. And he will overthrow evil. But he's also the Messiah who promises. He promises his cause or that which is his purpose. He will glorify God by caring for all souls upon the face of this earth. And so if, so if no one really cares but Jesus, should we not also reflect on his care, love him for his care, even as was portrayed just now? Should we not also therefore love others? We're going to look at that through three points, and I'm going to share with you three points this morning. First of all, Messiah cared for all souls from the beginning of time, verse 1. Second, Messiah cares for all souls in the middle of trying times, in the middle of your trying times, verses 2 through 4. And then third, Messiah will care, will care, will care after the end of all time, verses 5 through 7. Messiah cared for all souls from the beginning of all time. And we find in verse 1, look with me there and reflect on it. It says this, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool for your feet. Now God's care from the beginning for all souls was by the Trinity. It says this in verse 1 again, The Lord says to my Lord, In eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit recorded a conversation. They put it on their own Facebook page, and this is what they said. The Lord says to my Lord, and we're going to read as he shares what he says, but this is what they decided, to send the Messiah Jesus Christ to care for souls in order to glorify God. How do we know this? The answer again is in verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord. Sometimes when you hear people say, thus says the Lord, or you hear people say, God says, especially as it is in the scripture, this is what is called an oracle or a statement by God. In Hebrew, this verse, these verses say this. Yahweh says to Adonai. Yahweh is the first name for God. Sometimes you find it in your Bibles in caps. Yahweh. And he is the immutable, self-existent father. And he's talking to Adonai, who's the second name for God. He's the inseparable. He's inseparable from the Godhead. He's the self-humbling son, Messiah. And he is the writer, King David's Lord. And all of this conversation took place in the presence of God the Spirit, the Ruach. He's the inescapable, self-illuminating Spirit. Now listen. Listen as Christ explained this very passage. And this is key because he was establishing not only his divinity, but as we find out in Matthew 22, he's telling us why he cares for souls. Listen as I read Matthew 22. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. 
saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David, which was the standard theological answer, then as well as now. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then, Jesus continues, David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one, no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Jesus said, David in the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord. All three of the Trinity were there. That is before any molecule existed. From the very beginning, God the Father spoke to God the Son with God the Spirit, the Trinity. There are two things we need to note about the Trinity. And I'll say it again. First, the credentials. The Greek word for Christ is actually anointed from the Hebrew word Mesha, or Messiah. And he is not just David's son. He's not just a human baby boy who was born from David's genes. And I want to say this clearly, and I appreciate What Elder Dennis said, that we are a Bible-believing church, because this is significant. Many false doctrines, many false teachers today teach that he is not. He is not the Messiah. He's not God in the flesh. And even those who Jesus in Matthew 22 confronted were still thinking this could not be that God could come to us. And he refutes that. But rather, this person spoken of in Psalm 110 is David's Lord. He is David's God. The one who is preexistent in the mystery of the triune God. The Messiah Jesus proves he must be God in the flesh, co-equal with the Father and with the Spirit. And I want to say this very clearly. If he is not who he says he is, if he's not who the scripture says he is, then all of scripture is a lie. There cannot be both ways where we believe or one says is true part of the scripture and not all be true. For if this Messiah Jesus who stood before these Pharisees and stands before you today unless he is God in the flesh, unless he is human and still God, then we have based our faith on nothing. But if he is who he says he is, then all of Scripture, that which we're sharing today, is true. And the Messiah and the Trinity came secondly for also their cause. This is the cause from the beginning. It was to show divine power. Now we're experiencing trouble with power 
whether it be medical or political power, or whether it be those petty lords that are in charge of regions and dominating and persecuting and hurting and killing individuals, we are finding a problem with power, but this is not the power with which God and the Trinity comes. They're not putting their boot on the neck of people as we experience today, but rather their power, even as was shown earlier, is the power to care. Power to care. To care for all souls. How do we know this? Verse 1, the second part. God's care from the beginning was to rid souls of enemies. To rid souls of enemies. Listen, as it says in the second part of verse 1. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And we're going to find out later on in this passage how he does that because it comes to the very center, the very point of reference that everything else comes for why the Messiah came. As far as us, we like it when people get rid of our enemies, right? But the Trinity, the Trinity came instead to rid of the enemies of our souls. Now, Christ Messiah, when his, in his earthly time, was always surrounded by enemies, as you read in Matthew 22. And he knew from the beginning that you and I would have enemies of our souls. But they're not the things or the people that we normally label enemies. Enemies of our souls. And I say this, friends, because you know, you know yourself or you know others around you. They are the luring the lurking, and the lustful motives that make us power, that place us or try to place us in the position of authority and power and make us the priority of this world. The scripture is replete in pointing out that the wars that we see are caused by us. The enemies of our soul, as the, John says it, are the lust for self-satisfaction, that is, of the flesh. The lust for self-titillation, that is, of the eyes. And the lust for self-promotion, that is, pride. And I would say, as often as any motive in me or in anyone else, at any time, makes me or anyone the priority of this life, then it's an enemy of the soul. It's an enemy of my soul. The Messiah cares from the beginning, and he rids us of enemies. But how did he do that? How does he rid us of the enemies of our own soul? And that takes us to the second point. The Messiah cares for your soul in the middle of trying times. Verses 2 through 4, and I'll read verse 2. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the middle of your enemies. The Messiah, when he came, he did not come in order to be above us or to be under us 
or to even be near us. The Messiah, and the word literally says this, the Messiah literally came to be in the middle with us. So when you or I are in the middle of a crisis, he's there. When we're in the middle of joy, he's there. When we're in the middle of pain, loss, birth, death, good or bad decisions, he is there. I ask us a question as well as I ask me. If you or I or anyone, any soul is in the middle of a legal issue, he is your lawyer. When we're in the middle of a marriage mess, he is the mender. When there, we or anyone is in the middle of a sexual problem, a sexual temptation, he is the sanctifier. When we are caught up in the problems of money, he is the manager in the middle of that problem. When there's cancer, he is the Christ. When there is depression, he is divine. When there's any mess of any life, any career, any mind, any soul, he is the Messiah, the anointed, the Christ, the one who is the Lord who came in order to deliver and to heal and to give us his eternal care. He rules in the middle of souls. He rules in the middle of anything that we are involved in. Rules in the middle. And this is the reason he came. And in our trying times, our own enemies, the enemy's attacks from ourselves or others, the Messiah is in the middle. And he shows us how. First off, he shows us because he continually swears. He continually swears that he will care for souls. Verse 4 says this, The Lord has sworn, and he will not change his mind. Now that verb is not just a one and done verb. That verb means that he continues and continues and continues to swear, to swear, to swear for the care of our souls. Gals, or even guys, have you been around someone who says, I told you once I love you, I'm not going to tell you again. That's not good. <laughs> but the Messiah, Jesus Christ, he says not only once, he reassures us and says, I love you. I care for you. The Messiah continues, continues, continues to say, I care, I care, I care for your soul. And that verb that we just read literally means he swears seven times. And the word seven means perfect. It's such a solemn, binding, perfect oath. It means to promise so completely, so finally, that God himself cannot change his mind, even if people do. <laughs> he says it two times in this passage, because God can't swear by any greater than himself to himself. We would say it, maybe in uh, local vernacular, we double dog swear. That is his oath. 
So earlier I had mentioned that the Messiah, the Messiah rids our souls of enemies. Here's how he does it. Secondly, and this is more important, the Messiah continuously serves. He not only swears, but he serves souls in the middle of trying times. The whole psalm right now, all of the messianic psalms that we have been looking at center in this very crucible, this very singular point, the very point in verse 4, the second part. Listen, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Messiah Christ did not come to be a priest who was pronouncing blessings, maybe sprinkling something holy. But he came as a priest to intervene, to intercede, to interdict, to place himself in front of the bullet, as it were, for us. This is what Messiah the priest came. He didn't make himself a job, just like someone who appoints himself or herself president for life. No, his care has always been from eternity past. He's the Messiah. He's perfect. He's pure. He's permanent. He permanently cares for souls. He intervenes and intercedes for souls in the middle of our struggles to defeat the enemies of our souls. And as I said, those enemies are usually self. Hebrews chapter 7 explains more about who this is, this Melchizedek. And it says that he holds the priesthood, and note some of these key words, permanently. He continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. That was displayed beautifully in the skit. Not only does Jill care, but God cares. He always, always, always intercedes, intervenes, interdicts for us. Always will we receive that. The Messiah, sometimes we may feel that people don't care. Guess what? We may be right, but not the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, is permanent. He never leaves. He's continuous. He never stops. He's saving. He never half saves. And he always prays. He never forgets. And so he forever swears and he forever serves souls. So this brings us to our last point. The Messiah, the Lord God in the flesh, will care for every soul, like Hebrews says, who draws near and follows him now and after the end of time. Verses 5 through 7. Listen, the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations. He will drink from the brook, by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. I don't want us to think that Messiah Jesus is just meek and mild. 
He is, and yet he is at the same almighty God. Verse 5 explains that Adonai, the second name for God, or the Lord God, the Son, is the same in might and power as Yahweh. The holy name of God that even the Jews would not pronounce and later on would not even write. He is the one and the same God the Father, and he will care by finishing time as conqueror. But what about us? We feel like we conquer nothing. We feel sometimes inept, unable, and yet, and yet, he rids our souls of enemies. He cares. And there is something that we as well may conquer. As the scripture says in the end of time, Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus was speaking about this end time. And friends, I say this end time is coming. He says this, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Friends, He cares for souls who draw near and follow Him now. And follow Him now. Are we like those in Psalm 110 verse 3 who it says, offer themselves freely? Oh, that we would be. He will care for souls during what is coming. You've heard of it. A great tribulation such as had never, ever happened, nor ever will happen again upon this earth. He will care for souls through all trouble, even after all of this trouble. And when he returns, he cares by conquering evil, and he cares for those who, he says, we who will conquer with him, who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. For the Revelation 3 says, to the one who conquers, I will grant him or her to sit with me upon my throne as I conquered and sat down with my father. So what? I ask you a question, so what? Because I want you to think through the so what. God's care for souls asks us two things. What is our priority? What people in this world care for is prioritizing every kind of self-love, every kind of self-expression, every kind of self-this or that, except for the expression of God's care. And if anyone's, my, yours, or anyone's soul, and that priority craves for self, it's not from God. It's not from Him. It's the enemy of our souls. It's even possible that we are our own enemies. Now, this is not unusual to us because the book of Romans said that while we were yet enemies, he died for us. There was an author in the early 20th century, G.K. Chesterton is his name, and he wrote a book, What's Wrong with the World? 
Very popular book you'd enjoy today. What's Wrong with the World? And one of the people who saw and received that book asked him the question, Mr. Chesterton, what is wrong with the world? And he turned and he answered, and he said, I am. I am. Friends, it's time now that we deprioritize self. There is much to do and little time to do it. It is time now to deprioritize and to prioritize Christ. And so when I ask you, so what, about why your priority, it's now time to prioritize Christ, the Messiah, the one who cares. A second question I ask you, so what, what's our passion? God passionately cares for souls. If that is true, then we must too. Why? Why do we passionately care for people? Because we want to fill seats. We want offerings. We want to feel good about ourselves. A thousand times no. Instead, we have a passion. We want a passionate desire for God's glory. From eternity past, he cared for us to give us passion to glorify him, to love him. As Matthew 22, Jesus spoke to those Pharisees and to love others. The first and second greatest commands. There isn't one person that he doesn't care for, even if we don't. So why is it we don't love others? Well, someone said, well, evangelism is the problem. They continued by saying, not that it has been tried and found lacking. Instead, it's been found difficult and left untried. Do we passionately care for souls? And I say to you, because I know many of you, yes, yes, we passionately care for souls. Yes, we do. And we are a people, a church, and have hearts that say, I care. I care with the care that God gave to me. So what, what, what must we do? It's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. It's this. You can do this to friends, to people next to you, to contacts, frenemies, people you don't like. You can say, you're invited. You're invited to come home. You're invited to come home to Christ and to a place where we love you. Do we have a passion to respond and care and to love him and to love others? If so, I am inviting you. This is an invitation. This is not an invitation to sit and to relax. Time is of the essence. Time is short. This is a time to care. And so I'm challenging each one here, each one sitting, each man, woman, child, perhaps even babies, <laughs> to take from our elders who will be in the back, to take from our volunteers one invitation, just one invitation each, just one invitation each, each lady, each man, each child, and share that with someone. And so at the back of the church as you're leaving, 
Elders and volunteers will be there to hand you one. Take one. Take one. Pray. And use that to say, I care with the care of Jesus Christ. As was sung, people need the Lord. This is now our time. And Father in heaven, we come before you with gratefulness for the care from eternity past, from the care in the middle of trials, from the care that will throughout eternity future continue. And Lord, we say, yes, we care. Lord, we also say, you're invited. Friends, even enemies, Lord, we're inviting them. Use us, give us boldness in the time that we have upon this earth. And we pray with gratefulness for those who have already said yes in their hearts. May every woman, man, child here take an invitation in order to share the love and the care of Jesus Christ. And I pray in your holy, eternal name. Amen.